welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm your host, Steph Ganowski. After having multiple negative experiences with men, I started to believe all men were toxic. That is, until a few male strangers challenged my belief completely. This made me realize that a major problem with men in relationships stems from the fact that most men don't really love themselves or pay enough attention to their own strengths. I want to change that. Now I'm on a mission to help men thrive mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually in their relationships with themselves and with women. So stay tuned and see how my passion can help you as a man. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the What I Love About Men podcast. Today, I have a really special guest for you. She is a sex therapist. I know a lot of you guys have wanted a sex therapist on here, so you're going to love this episode. Her name is Dr. Shannon Chavez, and she's a licensed clinical psychologist and ASECT certified sex therapist specializing in the treatment of sexual disorders, sex education for conservative, religious, and cultural groups, and out-of-control behaviors surrounding love and sex. She is the clinical director of SHAPE, Sexual Health and Pleasure Enhancement Center in Beverly Hills, California, where she provides individual and couples therapy, sex and relationship coaching, and workshops on sexual health and wellness. Dr. Chavez believes that the heart of sexual intimacy is connection. Her work with couples focuses on adult sex education, integrating sexuality and spirituality, sexual discovery, and personal growth. She also specializes in the treatment of sexual trauma and abuse and love addiction. Dr. Chavez has written a guide for clinicians on the treatment of love addiction using attachment-oriented therapy. She frequently appears on national news, radio, and media as a sexual health expert. Dr. Shannon, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I I know my listeners are going to love this because they've been asking for sex therapist and on Instagram you have like a way of tying in humor with a serious topic, you know, and I think that's mm-hmm. I think it's really important to make light of serious things, but we could just it's easier to talk about it when you make a little lightness out of it. Yes, so like exactly. Because most of us have had an upbringing or a community where sex is so serious. Even when yeah. people are dealing with sexual problems, it's this serious, uh, you know, I have this problem, or even the words we use in our field, dysfunction. I think a lot of it really does create stigma and negativity where using humor, it, it makes it seem like something approachable, something that we all deal with and we can we can laugh at, we can, we can look at it as something we enjoy. And I think more than anything, mm-hmm. it brings in the pleasure piece, which is what sex is about. It's about pleasure. It's about having fun. It's about adults playing. And that's really what we should be focusing on. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it really is. It's our playtime and we shouldn't, it shouldn't be serious. It should be fun. I like yes. that perspective. So how did you get into being a sex therapist? I think it's such an interesting profession. Yes. The, the, the magical question people always want to know. And, <laughs> and for me, I, the minute I found out that this was a field, I wanted to do this work. And I worked uh, actually at a, a, in college in an early age for a sex and relationship counselor. She had a radio show in my local town. And I remember listening to her show going, this is amazing. People are calling in with all sorts of issues. And for me, I realized that sex therapy was something that affected every single one of us. It doesn't matter what age you are, what background you come from. Sex is how we all got here. It's what we all have in common. And at some point in your life, you're going to deal with sexual issues. 
I was always interested in psychology and I knew that if we were dealing with any aspect of mental health, sex was going to come up. And I really believe that sex is at the core of a lot of our concerns, whether it's uh, mental health concerns, physical health, I believe it's connected to overall health and wellness. So for me, it evolved from that, wanting to help people, wanting to help people address topics that are taboo and difficult to talk about and make a bridge to looking at sexuality as part of health and looking at it as wellness, things that people are a lot more prone to talk about and address than their own sexuality. So for me, it's the most fascinating field. I still, you know, even after specializing and training, I'm still learning about sexuality every day. There's so much to learn. There's so much that changes and evolves. So for me, it's one of the most exciting fields. And I love, love this work. I get emails and calls from old clients and people I've worked with that have been you touched by the work, you know, it's really helped or this has changed my whole life. And so that's really why I do this work. I do believe that addressing your sexual health can change your life. I love that response. I love how passionate you are. You can hear it in your voice. It's really, it's really exciting to talk to people who <laughs> are passionate like this. Um, yes. So when, when do people come to you though? Like when does someone say, get to the point of saying, I need to see a sex therapist. And then what do you, like, what's the general or the basics that you take them through? You know, I think that, well, I work mainly with adults. Some sex therapists work with adolescents. I work with adults. So usually I see them when they've either gone to traditional therapists and they haven't seen any results or their therapist hasn't been able to address the sexual piece. So they're looking for something specific and solution focused. So I always tell people sex therapy is looking specifically at your sexual concerns. And it is a lot more short term. It can involve coaching. It can involve education, lots of education. So I see people at all ages and stages of their lifespan. But unfortunately, a lot of my clients have been dealing with these issues for years and years and either haven't addressed it or haven't had the right resources or just didn't know where to start. And that's usually where I meet people. You know, I don't even know where to start, how to tell my story or narrative of what I've been going through. And that feels overwhelming. So the first thing I usually do is create a nice, comfortable space and say, you know, not knowing where to start is one of the best places to start because we can only mm. figure it out from here. So uh, I would say primarily I work with both men and women and couples. So that's the, the heart of my practice is, is working with individuals and couples around sexual health, sexual concerns, and providing adult sex education. Awesome. What's a very common concern for men specifically who come to you? For men, I would say erectile dysfunction or dealing mm. with erectile functioning in general. So maybe they're are issues with ejaculation, issues with performance-related uh, concerns. And so coming to sex therapy is, is a place to address that. You know, what's going on with my body? That may be the first step. Is there something physiologically going on with me? What are the mental barriers that are coming in? And I think for men, performance is a big issue. There's a lot of pressure yeah. put on men around performance. And, and having to be machines around sex. So there's a lot of blocks and barriers that can come up around that. 
and men usually come in here to look at all of that. What's the what's really going on and how can I reclaim my sexuality and my sexual functioning and break down some of the shame? Yeah. Wow. And now that you mentioned that, it really is different in the bedroom when a guy can't come, you know, when he can't orgasm and when mm-hmm. she then when a woman can't, you know, if she can't, it's not that big of a deal. But if he can't, it's like, what's wrong with you? Or I think that's right. more of the social way we look at it. Right. And it's tied with identity. You know, if I can't get yeah. an erection or maintain an erection, what does that mean to my identity if I identify as a male or a masculine man? Mm. And and it's so tied into cultural messages around how we look at men. You know, even if you look at sexual marketing, things that are out there, products or messages in magazines for men, they're very performance driven. You don't hear a lot about men enjoying their pleasure or men uh, just sort of just being able to experience sex without having to worry about the mechanics of what's going on. For example, I always challenge my male clients, can you enjoy sex with a non-erect penis? Your penis is still receiving pleasure. Mm -hmm. You still have the ability to experience sensation you're just not erect. Erection is not the uh, end-all focused goal of sex, but because it's been programmed in for how males view their own sexuality, it becomes a barrier. It becomes the focus of sex, and that can lead to a lot of erectile issues. Why do you think that most men have erectile issues? What do you think is the main, do you think it's the pressure like you were talking about, or is it, is it always, like for the most part, mental that affects the physiological? Uh, absolutely. So I would say 90% of erectile dysfunction is a mental block or barrier. And because mm-hmm. the mind and body are so connected, you can have a mental block or a negative thought pattern, and that can be affecting your physiology. And we know for erections, yeah. for men, it's all about blood flow, good blood flow. So if you're stressed or tense or feeling distracted, you're not going to have adequate blood flow to the penis, which is going to affect how your body is functioning. So I work in a very mind-body approach. We want to look at what's going on in the mind, but we also want to look at how you're experiencing sex in your entire body. So outside of your genital area, are you feeling comfortable? You know, men also have body image issues. So we have all these things going on that create stuff in our minds, either barriers or blocks or or focus that can affect sexual self-esteem. It can affect just how you're feeling in general. And more than anything, definitely the pressure, definitely stress. Stress is one of the most, I think, common Mm -hmm. sexual concerns for men and women that affect not only enjoyment of sex, but libido, desire, how they're engaging and initiating pleasure with a partner. And we can all use a little stress management. I would say in this day and age, we are more stimulated in our environment than we ever have been. And not necessarily in a good way. You know, we're dealing with devices and we're always plugged in. And so stress mm-hmm. is something that we are, are all dealing with that need, that need, needs to be managed. And that's going to definitely impact your sexual health. Yeah. And what, su- what sucks is that sex is supposed to improve your stress levels, not, you know, diminish, you know, make it worse. It actually does. You know, I love talking about the health benefits of sex because there are so many and it's one of the, you know, and it's fun. It doesn't require a lot of commitment as far as, uh, you know, I'm thinking of going to the gym or having a trainer. You know, sex is fun and mm-hmm. there's so many different ways you can do it. 
And I think that's the thing that people struggle with is, well, if I'm stressed or I'm not in the mood, how can I possibly get to the goal of having more sex? But what I'll usually say is, you know, we, we have to start having sex, imperfect, just having sex to create a frequency and habit around sex so we can to create the mood and enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely just getting there and just starting, you know, initiating and starting to make it a priority that can help make it something that you want to do, like anything we do in life. With a little bit of consistency, it becomes something that we, we really want and need. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you're all about mind-body approach because I'm totally into that. I'm obsessed with coaching that way. So that's really, you know, even with my guys, I'll say, if you're going out to approach a woman and you have the mindset of, I'm not going to be able to do this, like I'm anxious, then it's going to show in your body. You know, it's going to transform to your physical appeal. So it's like by, and by boosting your physical appeal and making yourself appear confident, it will in turn give you the mood or give you the identity of a confident man, you know? So you got to keep playing around and go back and forth between exactly. mind and body. Exactly. And attitude and everything we tell ourselves affects every cell in our body. So if we're constantly yes. anticipating a negative outcome or thinking that, oh, this isn't going to happen the way I want it to, I think we put a lot of expectations around, as you're saying, even meeting women or putting yourself out there or having this ideal, great sexual experience. And I tell people, studies have shown over and over that 50% of sexual experiences are just okay. You know, they're not amazing, fireworks, mm -hmm. passionate, but that's okay. It's like kinky and like crazy. <laughs> they don't yeah, have to be. It's like, exactly. Sometimes you're going to have an amazing sexual experience that, you know, blows your mind and the other times it's just going to be okay. But that's why we need to have a good frequency and, and focus more on the quality of sex rather than the quantity. And quality is, mm. are, are you connected? Are you, are you enjoying yourself? Are you uh, taking your time? Some of the basics that can make what I believe sex great versus the idea of it has to be all about performance and outcomes and orgasm. That's where I think we get stuck. Yeah. And what would you say, like when a man does get stuck in his head and say he does have erectile dysfunction and he knows that and he's going into sex with that mentality, what would you tell a man like that to do pre, like before having sex? How can he prepare himself mentally? Very good. First, it's being able to identify that inner dialogue. Sometimes men are not as aware what they're telling themselves. For example, it only takes one negative experience to condition your sexual response. So if you have maybe a time where you're not able to get the hardness of the erection that you really want, you're going to anticipate that happening every time going forward, unless you change the inner dialogue. The inner dialogue, instead of, oh, am I going to get the erection? Is this going to be a problem? You want to focus more on, you know, am I, what am I anticipating? What do I want to look forward to? And focus mm. more on pleasure than performance. So I think for a lot of men dealing with erectile dysfunction, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of what's wrong with me. Everyone else mm -hmm. is able to do this thing and it's, it's me. I'm, I'm the, something must be wrong with me. But what I try to do is normalize this for men that it happens across all ages in the lifespan, you know, even as early as teens and twenties up until uh, later mm -hmm. ages in the lifespan. It's not uncommon. And so because it's not uncommon, you want to be able to cope with it in a way where you don't 
internalize this message of dysfunction and look at it as, all right, if my, I'm not, if my penis isn't responding the way I want it to, what do I need to do? Do I need to be more comfortable? One of the biggest breakthroughs I've seen around erectile dysfunction is making sure that men are breathing and are embodied during sex. Because we all know what happens when you panic or you get stressed. We stop our breath. And if we stop breathing, you're going to notice a lack of blood flow immediately uh, from the penis. And also, you're activating your nervous system into a fight or flight response. So you're absolutely yeah. going to see a change in your genital functioning. And that's a problem. So I've seen men come in and say, that's oh, you're right. fight or flight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I like to take a few deep breaths. And then all of a sudden, my erection or I noticed that I was able wow. to last longer. So it can be small changes that can make a big impact. And then also going into sex with a positive attitude and, and a good thought process. I try to really focus on building sexual self-esteem because again, erectile functioning is so tied to how you view yourself. So I want men to think mm -hmm. of themselves, despite what my penis is doing, I want to feel like a great lover. I want to not focus on technique and focus more on, you know, what makes me feel good and what makes me feel like a good lover. You know, I, I like to take, you know, mm. I like to, to please my partner in this way, or here are the things I really enjoy that can just change the mindset in a way where it's focused more again on pleasure and less on the things I have to do during sex, because that activates a different part of our brain. And it's not the pleasure zone. It's more of our frontal prefrontal cortex which is the part of our brain that's focusing on planning and executing and having to do mm -hmm. something and we all know that that part of our brain tends to trigger stress oh man that's awesome when it comes to um men who come into your come into your office to talk to you i'm sure you've heard everything right <laughs> i'm sure you've heard like every story oh, in the book a little bit of everything i get surprised every now and then but there's definitely such a vast world of sexuality that uh you know it's fascinating to kind of see where people are at or what they're struggling with and i think it's great you know we're all different and we all have different i think it's so amazing how we all are turned on by different things in different ways and we have fetishes you know that other people don't have and there's a lot of men who come into my, my DMs on Instagram. They message me and they say, you know, I'm really, this is really embarrassing. Like, can you help me with this? I have a foot fetish. And I'm like, that's pretty common, you know, like that's nothing to, to be embarrassed of. But then there's, there are other fetishes that are a little, um, less common. And, and still, it's like, I still have the same response where it's like, I mean, to me personally, like that shouldn't be a big, a big deal, you know, and it's about embracing yourself and who you are and what turns you on as long as it's legal and healthy. Um, so what would you say to men who maybe are struggling right now with a concern of their own that they, they're afraid to talk to someone about, like when it comes to fetishes or? Right. I would say that we never want to judge our sexuality. I think our culture does that for us and creates these, this idea of what's normal, what's not. But when it comes to sexuality, there is no normal. There is no healthy. Mm -hmm. It's about finding your own healthy. And our sexuality yeah. is as unique as a fingerprint, so it's not going to look the same as other people. And it's also been programmed since birth. So we've been uh, creating arousal templates and things in our environments that turn us on from times where we didn't even really focus on our sexuality. We were taking in information from our environments that shaped our sexuality. So this is where fetishes developed. 
This is where uh, sexual mm. interests and types and turn-ons develop. So it would be very surprising to find another person that looks exactly similar in your sexual profile or template because it's so specific to you and your experiences. So I think what we need to do is get out of this idea of what's normal and what I should be doing and focus more on your own healthy view around sexuality. And that's where it's important to do the work around breaking down your own shame, your own stigmas, your own taboos around what your, your hangups are around your own sexuality. Sometimes you have to claim that and say, how do I feel about this? Do I have my own biases or concerns about how I'm viewing my sexuality or how I'm talking about it with a partner? I think that's important. And if you are in a relationship, you may need a little bit of help with a partner being able to talk about things like fantasies and fetishes, because I've seen over and over again with couples that it may cause a reaction in your partner. You may get a partner that, that says the wrong thing or makes a judgment around what this means. And I think that's where it can really be helpful to do some couples work. So you have a safe space and also someone there to be able to help manage that conversation in a healthy way. I love that. Um, okay. So our fetishes develop from, is that like our developmental stage? Absolutely. Is that they can they develop? develop very early on. I would say fetishes can develop as early as uh, two to three years old when we're wow. not necessarily as verbal in our environment. We're very sensual. So we may uh, develop tactile stimulation that provides pleasure. And this can get wired into our arousal template as something that can feel soothing, something that provides comfort. I mean, I've heard cases of so many cases of where it it just got paired in and conditioned early on in life as a way to self-soothe or comfort. So it wasn't necessarily a sexual arousal. But what we have to Mm -hmm. remember, too, is arousal is arousal. There's no sexual arousal versus any other arousal. Arousal is basically just how we respond to stimulation. So of course we can Mm. label it sexual because maybe that stimulation is affecting our sexual zones, our genitals, but overall arousal is our response to stimulation and it can be emotional. It can be paired with a physical response. So I would say fetishes develop very early in life. That's the biggest theme I've seen is that this isn't something that necessarily comes out of nowhere in adulthood, but maybe for most people, they repress it throughout most of their life and then maybe later in life open up and explore it and want to, uh, you know, find community and support and maybe even an outlet for that fetish behavior. So that's uh, not uncommon to see either. And of course, fetishes can develop later in life. That's not an impossible thing either. Uh, maybe especially if you're mm-hmm. exposing yourself to different sexual material or you're exploring with a partner, that's definitely where, you know, that arousal template can expand. But uh, again, it's, it's, it comes from all different ways in which we develop psychologically, emotionally, and physically. So it can come mm-hmm. at different points in our life. Yeah. So it's not our, none of it is our fault or, you know, you're not to, to blame for feeling a certain way. It's how you were raised and how you. Right. Yeah. I always tell people we're these big computers. Uh, you know, our whole system is a computer and we're constantly programming our, our bodies and our minds 
And so what we're exposed to definitely has an impact. And then also what we observe in our early environment. So that's mm-hmm. where we tend to shape our sexuality quite a bit because maybe we had a family system where sex wasn't talked about openly, but there were sexual things going on. For example, maybe a, you found pornography or you uh, witnessed your parents having sex or whatever that may be. And that starts to program your views, beliefs, and values around sex. So with fetish behavior, that may be something early on that's not necessarily your fault, but again, it's how you were programmed. You were programmed to have this arousal response, and then it led to a seeking of that behavior or that object as a way to either self-soothe or experience pleasure. So it's kind of fascinating. Mm -hmm. I find that everything in our sexual programming is very fascinating because it's so specific to our experiences. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. What do you think about porn? Because I just did, I just did a post yesterday on this. Um, cause the guys always ask, I have an addiction to porn. Like, what do I do about this? And what do you say to men who are addicted to porn or are feeling guilty about that? I think there's a lot of men right now that feel really guilty about it and they're trying to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a common concern I see in my practice as well. And I think porn, just like anything, can claim your consciousness and become out of control, just like food and exercise and any other process. Uh, so it's not mm. necessarily pornography is in its own category. I think we're focusing on it more because pornography is easy to access. And for the first time, yeah. we've had you know this ability to be you know anonymity. You can access it. No one has to know. You have uh, affordability, most of it's free, so it's easy to get and it's easy to use, which makes people more susceptible to dealing with it as an out-of-control behavior. So I think porn is not necessarily the issue, it's how we're using the pornography. Pornography is really just another form of entertainment, but the way that Mm -hmm. it's used, and, and the way that it's marketed, I believe, to males as well, is also promoting its misuse. You know, it, it can be used in a really healthy way. People can use it in coupleship. It, I've seen really great things come out of using pornography for couples or individuals mm-hmm. that want to just explore their own sexuality. But uh, as you mentioned, the overstimulation, the overuse, you know, just like food, if we were to overeat, we wouldn't feel so great. We probably wouldn't crave the food anymore. That's similarly to what's happening with pornography is that that overuse and overstimulation is changing your reward system and how you're motivated to use it. So I think for anyone, my recommendation is always to just make sure you're using it appropriately. And if you find that you are more out of control, try to cut back, try to cut back and use it differently. So instead of Uh, I always say the cascade of windows. I have 30 videos up at once. Try watching one video. Try engaging with one uh, source of pornography. And you may notice that it's difficult to pay attention and stay present. But it could be a good practice in mindfulness to rewire how you're experiencing the pornography and then to also become more embodied during the process. So instead of I'm just watching it quickly to have a quick release, I usually do a lot of masturbation reconditioning with men to help Mm -hmm. them slow down and to focus more on what's going on in their body while they're experiencing pornography. For example, what are you getting aroused? Mm -hmm. What's happening in your body? 
instead of this heightened state, you know, going from zero to 60 in, in a yeah. few minutes to slow down and enjoy the process. So there are a lot of controversy around how we look at pornography use, but I think it can be used in a healthy way. And men that have issues with it, I would recommend getting some support and help. And it may be taking a, I call it a porn holiday, taking a break and uh, <laughs> looking at if you're using pornography as a coping mechanism, this is important too. I see a lot of men using it as a stress relief at the end of the night. So now they're conditioning yeah. their body to need pornography and masturbation to get to a state of balance. And this can be problematic because now you're programming, again, back to the programming, programming yourself to be very specific to deal with stress in, in a one-track way. So there may be some importance in looking at what are other ways you can manage that stress so pornography and masturbation can be more about pleasure and less about self-soothing and bringing your body into balance. So that could be a, a good recommendation as well. Yeah, thank you for that. I love that. Giving like an alternative of making it more about moderation and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. That's so great. Definitely. I even like I don't believe porn is bad. I think it can be used in a very healthy way. But I think the majority of these men are saying I want to get out. So obviously, they've got to the point of that hyper stimulation where they depend on it. And they then they feel guilty that they have all these, you know, videos open at once, probably. So I think, yeah, like you said, it's the it's with anything when you overuse it, it becomes we become dependent and we feel slaves to it instead of using right. it habits for something form, like you know. Most yeah. behavior is just uh, habitual and we don't realize that, you know, I'm watching porn at the same time every night and I do it for this amount of time and then it leads yeah. to this. So it, it becomes conditioned in how you experience uh, even your arousal. You know, I know at this time that it's going to take this long for me to get turned on. And, and so a lot of the work in sex therapy is reconditioning your response and that helps to change the behavior. So that's a, a good way to look at it too. Instead of it being, you know, I'm compulsive, out of control, and there's nothing I can do about it. Looking at it as something mm -hmm. that is in your control. It just requires changing the habits and being more aware of what you're using the pornography for more than anything. Yes, I love that. What do you think? I'm going to hop right into the next question. What do you think is the best way for men to ask a woman if she can orgasm from sex alone? Because I think the majority of women cannot come from just sex, from just penetration. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of men, I believe, aren't aware of this. And then women feel hurt and upset that she wasn't pleasured. Um, what would you tell guys would be a great way to communicate that? Find that out. First thing that guys need to know is that you can't give a woman an orgasm. What you can do is you can create an environment in which an orgasm happens, but a woman has to be responsible for her own orgasm. She has to know mm. what her body needs. She has to be open and comfortable with asking her partner for adequate pleasure. So I think as a male partner experiencing this, this problem with wanting their partner to have that pleasure, it's also important for, for him to ask questions and to to pay attention to, it may not always be a conversation. I would pay attention to her body, her body language. How is she responding to different types of touch and stimulation? And if a partner isn't comfortable identifying what she really needs sexually, maybe it's just an opportunity to explore together, to try different positions or bring in devices. But uh, again, I think there's this idea or pressure for men to give a woman an orgasm. 
And when it doesn't happen, you yeah. feel like you failed. You feel like you disappointed a partner. And sometimes the women are putting this pressure on their male partners, right? Mm, oh, I, that's I true. Yeah, it's not all their fault. And, <laughs> right. And it's not their fault. I always try to in, instill the message into couples and into women that you are responsible for your own orgasm. So it, it, you're also responsible to bring your partner into that place so that you can enjoy your pleasure together. And as you said, you know, yeah. it's a very small percentage of women can orgasm from penetration alone. There's so many other erogenous zones on the body that we tend to neglect. For example, obviously the clitoris mm. is the main source of pleasure for women, but we focus more on inner course than we do outer course. And outer course is something I teach in my practice, which is Focusing on sensual pleasuring of the body, the out, the entirety of the body from head to toe. Yeah. You know, we're really one big erogenous zone. So if we spend a lot of time in touch and sensual play, your body will be. Yeah. So right. Aroused. I feel like there's a part of like our whole body that's like sexual. Like every part of our body can be sexually. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. And that's what people are very surprised by when I, you, for example, will prescribe some exercises to do at home around touch. They'll be very surprised mm. to find, wow, you know, the back of my knee was really arousing or when <laughs> a partner touched, uh, you know, my forehead and my cheeks, I, I got so turned on. So it really yeah. isn't, you know, these ideas. We're very genital and breast focused around sex, but we need to incorporate other parts of the body, even the hands. The hands are sex organs. That's why people like their fingers mm. sucked on or, you know, their yeah. hands massage. Uh, same with the feet. So we need to just explore outside of what we think are erogenous or orgasmic zones and an orgasm is basically a reflex, like a sneeze. So it's it shouldn't be the focus. I usually call it a side effect of good pleasuring because mm, the more pleasuring that. your body gets, the more you're going to trigger an orgasm, like a sneeze, right? When your sneeze is ready to come, yeah. it releases. It's not you know, something you can will or plan. It just sort of comes as a, as a buildup. So that's what an orgasm is. And if your partner's not having that, what I usually find is, is sometimes you're not spending enough time uh, with sensual play before sex. So because we're so genital focused, mm. uh, you know, whether you call it foreplay or not, you know, even activities like undressing, most couples kind of rip their clothes off, jump into bed. That's an activity that I have couples spend a lot of time in. You know, as you're undressing, undress yeah. each other one piece of clothing at a time and come into contact with every part of your partner's body. And also engage the senses, you know, smell your partner, taste your partner. We are very sensual and primal beings, but we tend to intellectualize sex. So if we can get in touch with our primal mm. self, which is really our, our sensual self, that will help with, with sex and, and becoming connected to your partner too, in a yes, way that we think will too help. Much. <laughs> we think too much. Yes, we, it doesn't help us at all. We are the only species that does this. You know, we we plan wow. sex, we think about it, we we fantasize it about it. And fantasy is a little different because it's more creative mind versus planning part of our brains. But uh, we we do need to get a little bit more primal in our intimacy. You know, focus on touch, even kissing. Kissing is so important for arousal, and not a lot of couples kiss. They're touch deprived. Yeah kiss deprived in their relationships and that can be really problematic yeah oh my god kissing is so important 
Yes. And most women are craving it. I hear that from a lot of, you know, heterosexual couples. Women will say, yeah. I want to be kissed more. I want my neck to be nuzzled. I want there to be more passion in the sense of that. Because again, back to the arousal template, that's what I first registered as a major turn on in my sexual life. And uh, it's not happening now in my relationship. So I can't get turned on. I'm not getting lubricated. I'm I'm feeling uh, disengaged from my sexual experiences. So that's a small change that can make a big impact in a positive way. Yeah. More kissing, guys. More <laughs> okay, kissing. for the last <laughs> for the last question, because I know you have to run to get to a client. Um, if you can leave men with one piece of advice for improving their sexual health, what would it be? My one piece of advice for men would be to incorporate more self-love into your sexual health. So by that, I mean, even when you're masturbating or when you're experiencing sex, to to give your yourself a little bit more self-love and appreciation for your bodies and what they do. And I think that also helps with mindfulness. And I know mindfulness is a big buzzword, but I think we want to think of it as slowing down and focusing on your intention and taking care of your bodies. Yeah. You know, men are also dealing with all the issues women are, you know, whether it's aging changes or health issues or body image concerns. So I, I think self-love is something that men need permission to do. And you can do it in, in every aspect of your day-to-day -day. masturbation, the way you talk to yourself, uh, deciding what you're putting into your body and the habits that you form. So I would definitely give men permission to incorporate more self-love, which will lead to sexual health. I do believe self-care and self-love is sexual health. So it's, it's one of the same and we need, sometimes we need permission to do that. So that would be my advice to guys. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Shannon. This is awesome. The guys sure, really love it. Thanks for having me and any men out there that have questions, please feel free. I offer a complimentary consultation on my website. So uh, feel free What's your to website? ask questions, drshannonchavez.com. And there's a lot of great information on there, articles and things that you can read for uh, sexual health topics. So I invite all your listeners to find some good resources on the website. Awesome. And where can they find you on Instagram? On Instagram and social media handles, uh, it's at Dr. Shannon Chavez. Okay. And I'll put that in the footnotes too. All right. Great. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I had fun today. Oh, this is great. I had fun too. I love this. And All we'll right. talk okay. soon. Hopefully we can have you on again. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, guys. Well, that was the episode. I hope you really love that. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast. And let me know what you loved about this episode. What was insightful? And also, guys, just remember, I offer a free 30-minute phone call to those of you who have never had this phone call yet. And it is personal evaluation of where you are now because you can't go where you want to go unless you know where you are right now. So this is really important. Get on the call with me. All you have to do is go to sgdatingcoach.com and click the contact form. Fill that out. It takes two seconds. Let's get on the phone. Okay, that is it. Have an awesome day, and I'll talk to you guys in the next episode.